John chapter 20, and you can find that on page 1,685 in your pew Bibles. Page 1,685. The Empty Tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So far our reading. In the last year, we've had uh, a neighbor say that uh, they are now Christians. And uh, I didn't know how that happened, but I asked some questions and um, talked and, of course, celebrated the fact that I know I don't sound super excited now, but I'm just telling you the story here. Um, and uh, maybe I, uh, I'm glad I... I I was just kind of listening and asking questions because it wasn't until a couple months later until I found that she um, said, a couple months after she said she became a Christian, she had problems with the part about Jesus dying for her sins. And uh, like a good pastor should, I, I just wanted to point out that that's a pretty big deal. We, uh, we have coffee lots together with these people, and, um, and I, I once shared with them um, um, this whole concept of, of, of dying and, and what I thought of it. I struggled uh, a great deal 
with death. In light of the fact that I even was taught and raised in a Christian school and understood about the risen Savior. I struggled uh, greatly. I have two brothers that are dead. I have parents whom we buried. And, um, and way back in the day when, when I was uh, very clear about the biblical teachings, didn't really want to say too much to families because I might disrupt them about how, how I felt about, about death. I, I often struggled because my, my one brother, uh, when he first died uh, in a tragic car accident, didn't really make me mad at God like it does for some people, and it didn't drive me to believe in him any deeper. Oddly enough, I, I still sat there, and I kind of pondered and reflected year after year as I, as I, as I grew up and understanding he's just no longer on the face of this earth anymore. As to where he went, I know what everybody was telling me, both those who believed in Christ and those who didn't. And so I one time at college in Iowa, where I attended about year three, found out a great deal of people who, uh, who were my friends, who, who told me that they wanted to see more of, of God showing up in their lives, but they never said they would really pay attention. They weren't preparing. They weren't getting ready in case God would reveal himself to them in any form or fashion. And, and in that third year of college, I, I remember out of all the, the, the struggle, and it wasn't painful struggle, don't get me wrong, I was just really pondering, where is my brother Mike? And, and, and I can't have, I just know I can't meet him anywhere, just like I can meet with you guys. And so I just really wanted to get to the bottom of this. And and what I did was I got down on my knees by my bed as a junior in college. And, and i got to tell you, I'm a bit of a funny character maybe, but I learned that from Little House of the Prairie. <laughs> and I thought it may, it may help, you know, be more reverent. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But I, I, I got down on my knees, which is really hard to do uh, for, a, for a guy like me, for a lot of men, you know. It's that, that posture, but all alone... I remember praying, God, I don't really get this. And part of it was because I, I, I learned history, took the classes. But the biblical history seemed to be just in a totally different, isolated category. I never connected it as real history. I don't know. I prayed. I said, help me figure this out. I got friends around me that, that want to see it. But I promise to you, Lord, as I was on my knees, that, that I'll pay attention. And you have five years I don't know why I said five years. It sounded like an, an audacious comment, like, well, who are you to tell God how much time he has? But I wasn't trying to be a, a fool. I wasn't trying to be cute or funny. I, I was just saying in, in earnest plea that I wanted to, to be ready more for, for him as he would reveal himself. Now, I can't spend a great deal of time telling you uh, how, this, how this ended, but within four years I had my answer. I figured out that the elders in the church actually were supposed to visit me. But I said, well, why wait for that? I called them up. It wasn't even my elder. Called this elder and that elder. And I sat down and I I just said, I don't expect you to have the answer, but I kind of want you to help me struggle with this to make sense. What do you know about death? And what do you know about who Christ is? And and throughout the, the five years, which really only took four, 
as, as if God orchestrated the different answers from different people that were in different parts of the land that no one could ever orchestrate themselves, I, I understood the depth and the reality of a resurrected Lord and that it was part of our true history. Now, I, I didn't stand up all of a sudden and say, He is risen! And, and I, it, just, it was just all of a sudden it made some depth. Uh, in, into the sense that I was trying to make of it. As I share that story to our neighbors, they just sat there with their mouths open. I don't know if it made a difference. But I like struggling out loud because I think most of us do, especially when it comes to death. Especially when it comes to the revelation of how powerful this story is. That he is risen. That he overcame death. I can imagine what it would have been like. No, no, no. I can't imagine what it would have been like on that day. Because death is final. That's all we know. The evidence seems bleak and non-existent. It's just stories in the history books. But Christ has risen. How do we prepare for that? How do we make ourselves ready for this revelation? A few thoughts on this Easter Sunday that I would like to share with you because it was early in the morning. It was early on the first day of the week. It was very early. Too early for most people to actually make sense of anything. Maybe that was part of the problem. But Mary and the disciples evidently were up and in shape and running and it was all good to go. It's not the issue at hand, but we know that what they see next was something they perhaps weren't ready for. Although we do hear one of the disciples believed without seeing, in opposed to Thomas later on, who needed to touch Jesus. Thomas was back at home hearing this, trying to make sense of it. It's a wonderful story to hear these disciples and Mary and others struggling with this revelation of power that overcame death. The number one thing that people avoid talking about in life that no one can avoid. And Christ has put that to sleep for those who believe. It happened early that morning. Were they ready for this revelation? Well, we hear it unfold right before our eyes as Enoch read The disciples, Mary, back and forth, running, telling the news, trying to make sense of it, seeing the gardener, oh, no, Rabboni. And all these emotions that run through the first verses of chapter 20 that help us grasp with the reality of who we are in the face of a resurrected Lord. I do want to say one thing in light of preparing for this revelation is that When we do discover it, we are ones who would then naturally come to terms with singing. Holy, holy, holy. The first verse of that song. Early in the morning our song will rise to you. It doesn't have to be all three verses. It doesn't have to be in tune. But it has to be on our hearts. Early in the morning my song shall rise to you. Holy, holy, holy. I can't believe this. 
is for real. You can't write a better story than this, I told my neighbors. You can't make up a better story that the creator of the world would have his son take the heaviness of our lives and the sin and take it away so we are relieved of guilt. Convicted, yes, but allowed to be living the life that he designed for us without anything getting in the way. Holy, 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 holy. And this is first thing in the morning. Remember 9-11 for some of us who do? How it just disrupted your day in some way? Couldn't believe what you just heard. I kind of don't know if it's relevant, but that was the closest I got to maybe what they were experiencing. Their day was shot. I'm sure they had things planned, but the grave was empty. Cancel all appointments. I remember on September 11th when I heard the news, I was supposed to pick up a guy in Pinocchio. I totally forgot about him. He called me two days later, where were you? I know the news broke. I says, oh, I'm sorry, man. I just for- The whole day is disrupted. That's how powerful sometimes the re- revelation can be of, of some of the news we hear. And in this case, first thing in the morning, we see the disciples and Mary getting attacked with this beautiful story that is so good to be true. Too good to be true is the phrase that they were... Wondering what's going on. Still trying to understand. But yet they believe. One of the things that they've done well is a good lesson for us to learn this morning because out of all the abilities that we have, we need to understand that there is only one ability that comes before all the others. You know, what is the great ability that one should focus on? knowing what I just said. One person had asked this in a classroom setting, and so the list began. What is the greatest ability? Is it sociability? Is it compatibility? Is it accountability? Is it adaptability? Is it reliability? No, said the leader. The number one trait, in light of the resurrection of Christ, the hope that we have, and who he has been to us. His teachings, his wisdom, and all that. The number one ability is availability. So that he can work through you with his grace because of your faith. It is availability that we would make ourselves present in front of the empty tomb, even though we don't understand it, but with the faith that struggles to make sense knowing that this has relieved us not only of our sin, but given us hope. Second thing, outside of just being available, I think one of the best things to prepare us for the revelation is to understand that He first loved us. This is the, this is the, uh, the, the capstone of that whole issue of Him who died so he could set us free. This is the, the, the beginning of, of us understanding that he first loved us. He started the ball rolling through the death and resurrection story. He first loved us. I think we cannot focus on that enough because we somehow forget. 
there's, there's viral stuff I know all over the YouTube and, and internet, but there's, there's one that, that was, what comes to mind when I was preparing this service. <clears throat> there is a story, because I was a former broadcaster, and that's why this landed on my plate, and it's not a nice visual, it's just an audio portion. Some of you may have seen this. Uh, I, I would like to know, but if not, okay, so it's this lady that phones in on this radio show. And, and she says, uh, I got a problem with where they put the deer signs, the deer crossing signs. Some, some people have heard this one. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. It is hilarious. For those who haven't, this lady went on for 10, 15 minutes phoning into this radio show saying, I don't understand why they put the deer crossing signs there. Why don't they put them in places that are away from public? And so obviously it, it was revealing this lady and the disc jockeys were being very kind to her about the fact that she was thinking that the deer signs indicated where the deers would cross instead of the other way around. And the people that were gathering around the computer, listen to this Rick, listen to this, it's hilarious, can't believe it. this woman just doesn't catch on. She thinks the deer, oh, no, no. it just went on and on. And I thought, are you kidding me? How could somebody not think that the deer signs are, you know, I I said what everybody else said. I walked away thinking, wow, actually, it may not be that funny after all. Because in our lives, we so often are taught that Christ first loved us. But somewhere along the line, we got bored or distracted and we forgot about that. And so our life is no longer a response to Christ first loving us. But we are still on the wagon of trying to get Christ to do stuff for us as if we had done something for him. And then it isn't so funny anymore when people get it backwards. And the reason I thought of this clip is because this lady went through a sheer 15 minutes of trying to help the world understand it backwards. And I thought, is that what I sound like when I speak to the Lord, when I talk? Do I have it backwards? Have I forgotten that he first loved us? And can you tell by the way I talk? Can you tell by the way I act? Did I forget? Did I slip? Did I lose sight of the great resurrection story that encapsulated the idea that he first loved us and that it wasn't that I did a pretty good job of making a comeback in my life, refining my gifts and skills and my abilities so that God would maybe pay attention to who I've become as a way in which now we can work together and collaborate to bring the kingdom because of what I did. He first loved us. Availability. This is how we can prepare in light of the revelation of Christ's resurrection. In some ways, I have gone back into the Old Testament because we live today in 2018. We've heard the Easter story again and again, the crucifixion story, and we kind of have written, read the, the, the last pages of the book. We know how it ends, and we see again how the journey uh, every year corresponds to the calendar in which we celebrate the Easter again. But I go back to those days of the people who didn't know, didn't understand what was about to come, even though they had the prophecies to indicate to them that they were to be prepared for this revelation of good news. 
Much like going way back in, in history into the Old Testament and walking along with those Jews, singing those psalms, and then trying to understand the prophecy that was given by those Old Testament prophets for, for the birth of this king. And to think that I would have caught on that this stable thing and the baby in it and the star in the white and all that was the fulfillment of all the things that I have learned as a Jew in the Old Testament. Oh, my heart goes out to those Jews thinking if I was one of them, I probably would have missed it too. Probably wouldn't have caught, it, caught on. And perhaps because of, of my lack of preparation. Or maybe I just wasn't praying to God enough that I would pay attention. If he would be so kind to reveal himself. That I just wanted him to reveal himself to me. But then I would just go busy and forward and do my own thing. While he was revealing himself to me all over the place. And I wasn't just paying attention. How are we ready? Well, it all starts with being available. And it all starts with us understanding that He first loved us. This is who we can start to be along with Mary and the disciples in discerning how good this news is that He is risen. And there's more as I close and read the last of John 20. Because right at the end of this chapter, when Jesus appears to the disciples behind closed doors as they lived in fear and Thomas had to to touch the nail marks in his hands to believe in all that. And then we go on to other disciples in disbelief that he is alive again. We read this. As John writes this down for our sake. Verse 30, chapter 20. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Let us pray.